It's Thursday, August 3rd, 2017, and you're listening to episode 452 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 46 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. The Skies of Glass AP is out there, of course, for anyone who wants to check that out. In all of its glory. Well, and today... So awesome, it broke Lipson. <laughs> it sort of did. <laughs> broke Brodor and I's character's face, that's oh, for sure. Oh my god, it's going to break our relationship. Because <laughs> at some point, we're going to come to a head, right? Like, I'm going to yeah. mature, and I'm going to have a light pop on, and I'm going to yes. be like, Lee, you son of a bitch! <laughs> anyway. Someday it's going to come to the point that Brodor gives you head. That's right. It did kind of break Lipson, because since... I didn't know if it was actually going to work out or not. Like, were people going to like this? We were only putting it on the Patreon. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved it public, I had all these episodes that I put on Libsyn at once. So the way Liberated Syndication works, which is our our MP3 file host. So if you're listening to the show, that's ultimately where it came from originally. But they meter me per month. So I get something like, I think it's a quarter gig per show per month. And every month they archive off. You can still get those sound files, but they're just kind of you know, moved off. And they then have a new workspace where you can put your new files. And because they were such long episodes and because I moved all of them at the exact same time, it completely took up all of the loud space we have for July. So I have another episode, but I can't release it until the top of August when that queue resets. But if you want to listen to those episodes, if you haven't yet, ap.feartheboot.com, no W's, just AP for actual play, .feartheboot.com, and you can hear two sessions of game prep and now three sessions of the game. We have a fourth game session, but once again, I can't move it off my hard drive until uh, August 1st. So bear with me on that. And how that impacts today was today's topic was going to be about an issue that game raised, but I... But no. Yeah, I I at least (laughs) want you guys to be able to hear that so you know what we're referencing. And so we're going to put that on ice and we're going to talk about some other things. And actually what I want to talk about is some things that came out of a different actual play we did last night. So there's one that we're now testing out on Twitch. Mm Mm-hmm. And what we learned last night is we may have a solid background in podcasting, (laughs) but we have a lot to figure out in terms of streaming video because, holy crap, was it disconnect fast. Yeah, yeah. I had a real hard time getting into the game, not because of anything wrong with the game necessarily, but because the Game Master, John, it's not that he kept disconnecting. He kept disconnecting for me. And so I'd be sitting there and then his, like I'd be watching his face because we all have webcams. And he'd be sitting there placidly. John's not, you know, he isn't moving around a lot, and he's not usually animated. Well, not when he's in front of a camera. He and I are Italian, so we really yeah. gesticulate a lot, but not when he's in front of a webcam. And then I'm sitting there watching him, waiting for him to say something. And then everyone starts, like, laughing, and then everyone starts, like, roll. oh, yeah, and then I pulled the lever, and oh, yeah. And then I attack that. I'm like, what? what? And... And I'm like, did I just have a stroke? Did I just miss the past five minutes? I what? And then I would try to like interject something because I'm watching it on the Twitch stream because I'm in the chat and I'm interacting with people. I I would see myself in the chat screen or in the uh, Twitch stream talking over John, 
And then I would stop because Twitch is like has a um, about a thir- thirty second delay yeah, or so, fifteen to thirty seconds. And I'm just like, oh crap! And oh, it was. Pay- I I actually just kind of had to give up. Yeah. So with that actual play on like the skies of glass one, if you want to check it out, I'm going to link it in the show notes. It's on Twitch and will also be exporting it from Twitch to YouTube to keep it there indefinitely, so people can subscribe there. And I don't have the YouTube channel yet, but. Once I get all the stuff, just check the show notes for links. You'll certainly have one to Twitch, maybe the YouTube one if I get it set up between now and release. But that's... But Brodo and I aren't on that one, so it won't be as awesome as Skies of Glass. Well, I, I, I didn't I, break lips in. It, 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 won't, yeah. it won't be as awesome, at least for the moment, because we definitely have a learning curve in terms of trying to sort out all of these technical issues to make voice, video... And a play surface, you know, yeah. all all come across correctly at once and then get from a central place up to Twitch. I mean, that's we definitely have some learning curve. Right. If you guys a glass is drop mic, drop game, drop episode done. Yeah, this guy's a glass. It doesn't feel like it's an AP for us because we're actually sitting around a table and there's just a mic there. When you're doing it online with World 20, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Now, when you guys get it sorted out, I'm sure it's going to be an incredible game because you've got a great lineup of players in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I've, I'm awesome. I've played with, I think, everyone there except for one person, mm-hmm. and I've had a ball with it. I mean, so mm-hmm. great group of people. Yeah. So check that one out. And once again, that's where today's topic is going to come from. But first, I'm going to regret <laughs> serving this up to Brodor because Brodor said he had some work stories okay. so, to share. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting at my desk the other day in, in this soul-crushing, depressing. And for anybody out there who is a depressed person, stress is a tremendous trigger for depression, right? So I've been going through a really hard time lately. Um, I don't know why I just admitted that. Anyway, so I'm sitting at my desk at work. I did tell you I'd give you a hug. Yeah, I, I'm sitting at my desk at work, and I'm you know I'm, I'm struggling with a variety of things, just trying to do somebody else's job because I'm not doing my job really right now. Anyway, a woman who is relatively new, whom I won't name, walks by my desk and she says, "Hey, does anybody want to lick the box?" <laughs> and I just slowly start to raise my hand. <laughs> well, it turns out. My supervisor had brought donuts in earlier that day, and the donut box was empty and still had glaze in it. Uh So I was like, glazed box, I'm in. (laughs) So then, hand to God, later that same afternoon, sitting at my desk, sitting at my desk, doing my thing, doing my thing, training a new guy. And she walks by my desk again and goes, you know, I used to be a fluffer. Worst job in Hollywood. Yeah. I, so, of course, you know, I'm Brodor, right? So all of these things go through my mind. And I'm just, I look at her and I say her name and I'm like, you realize you've done it a second time today. And she goes, what did I say? And I'm like, you said that you used to be a fluffer. She goes, oh, no, I meant I used to be fluffy. I used to be overweight. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're going to stick with the first one. <laughs> so... Wow. A fluffer asked me if I wanted to lick the box. Yeah. <laughs> the glazed the box. The glazed box. I was like, yeah, well, sure. She's a fluffer. She <laughs> probably was asked you if you want to do it twice. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so there you go. There's my contribution for the episode because I've uh, I've only ever done one actual play and I've never done gaming over computer. So uh, yeah. I'll sit back and enjoy. Okay. <laughs> so, well, Brother, what came out of the game, actually? The technical issues aside, which is... A one we're going to have to hack through. And I think 
probably a lot of people doing actual plays have had to have these struggles. I mean, it's, it's a throwback to the old land party days. The first about two hours of any land party is getting the land working. I mean, nowadays you don't really deal with that. You sit at home, you get on Steam, whatever it is you're going to do, and you go from there. But I've been in multiple online games. So that's the first one. Well, I'm actually in the second one that's been an actual play. But I have been in online games, and all of them seem to have this issue where sometimes there's a problem person, the one guy who's got a crappy internet connection or is out in the middle of nowhere or has a terrible mic and insists on using their speakers and won't put on headphones. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> Chris doesn't even know what a computer you know, is. You know, actually, I have done online gaming with Chris twice. Never the problem one. Mm. Never. He's never had technical issues when doing gaming. Yeah. Put him on a podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just wanted to throw some shade at Chris. I never do it. I'm always defending him behind the scenes. And so I'm kidding. No one says anything bad about him behind the scenes. It's all to his face. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're also kidding about backing him off. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, no one backs him off either. So. So, all right. so, all right. The learning curve there aside, there was something about the way the game ended. I'll take your word for it. I had so many technical problems. I, know, I had to I read John's write-up on how the game ended. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, Chad, then you, you just can believe me on this, and you two have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is something that's not distinct to the game that we played last night. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen it a couple times before. Now, is this a technical No, issue, it's, or, oh, it's, it's pure, purely abstract. Like All right, so, so the issue is timing the ending of the game. All right, and I know mm-hmm. this is something we talked mm-hmm. about fairly recently, but this is a different approach okay so i'm not talking about the way you in the game in general in terms of the type of ending you have i literally mean like the last second done close your books go home i'm talking about that and what specifically came up last night and there's no spoilers to this because what i'm about to tell you story-wise is the premise of the game i mean it's in the yeah, game's it's the pitch it's the yeah. pitch it's the game's description is that we are in a dwarf hold or dwarf cave thingy whatever And that is going to fall apart within the first game. And then we have to figure out what we do with ourselves and what we do with what's left of that society, if we so choose. So basically play our own little door fortress game Mm -hmm. and go off into the wherever and figure out what we're going to do. All right. So in the first game, we know walking in the place that we're in, the place we've built our backgrounds around and many of our relationships around is going to get destroyed. And the character that I'm playing He's a cultural guy. He's That's what he's there for. He's a diplomat and cultural researcher. He's very big on dwarven culture. He does not have a history in violence. He's he, very tall for a dwarf. He's very tall for a dwarf, but... Because <laughs> he's not a dwarf. Yeah, we call him a dweeaboo. Because he... <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and that's totally what he is. Right? <laughs> But wow, <laughs> the things he's going through in that game to try and grow a beard more correctly, <laughs> like he can grow a beard like a human would, right? Right. But he can't get but it's that, not proper. He yeah. can't get that full dwarven, you know, braiding beard like ZZ Top in length, but three times the volume. Is he really not a dwarf? He's really not a dwarf. He's a human. He is a human who is a diplomat that got sent to. He he went native. The, the way I see it, Dan's character is. You know, there's the trope of the British Empire, and then they send a diplomat to India, and the guy's all proper and educated and stuff, and he goes to India, and then he's just like, wow, this is amazing. And when they recall him, he comes back, 
and he's dressed in like an Indian and he has all this stuff and he redecorates his house to be like, and he gets rid of all of his chairs and he only eats Indian food and he has all this stuff. And then people are like, God, this guy is so weird. And all he could talk about is going back to India. That's what this guy is like only with dwarf culture. Yeah. This is kind of a fun thing to explore in a fantasy setting. But the point is he's not a murder hobo. All right, he's many things, but he's not a murder hobo. He's not an adventure. Mm-hmm. He, once again, has no background in this. And where the game ends is we make it to the front gates of the hole. And we know the whole thing is going down, and we're not sure if it's hellfire or volcanism, like volcanic activity. It's definitely one of the two, maybe a mixture of the two. We know the place is collapsing. It's filling with fire and lava or whatever is back there. We have to get out. And there's a guy, and I won't go into his motivations, that is a little spoilery, but there's a guy who is supposed to be on our side, but is blocking our exit. NPC. Yeah, it's an NPC. I assume. I couldn't hear. It was an NPC. <laughs> and one thing I learned last night, now granted, we're only first level, mm-hmm. but at least at first level, holy crap, our bard's a very different class than they've ever been in the past. The amount, fifth yes. edition. This yes, fifth, fifth edition. edition. Yeah. Because the amount of both help and harm I was able to hand out in the course of that game, mm-hmm. it was a lot more than me singing for people to get a plus one. I love fifth edition bards. They did some really good things to make them more useful. Yeah, so one of the things that came up, all right, at the end of this game, is I go to cast a spell on this guy. And it's the assumption of my character that, once again, he has this high view of dwarves. This is a dwarven wizard apprentice. Surely he can take a little bit of knocking around. And the spell is Dissonant Whisper, which for anyone who's not familiar with 5e, it does two things. It does 3d6 damage to the mind, and then it also has a what they call a fear reaction. So for immediately, as soon as that spell's cast, if you're not already reacting to something else, your character right then gets a free move to run the opposite direction. 3d6 damage at level 1. At level 1. It's a lot, isn't it? It's it's The median on that is 9? No, uh, it'd be uh, 7 plus 3 and a half, 10 and a half. 10 and a half. So, yeah, it's 10 and a First of all, I mean, I have a fighter who's like, I mean, he's big. I I made a tank. Yeah, I mean, he is big, tank, prot, fighter, shield, sword, or warhammer and board. And he has 13 hit points. So, you could... Ruin your, me with yeah, that. Ruin your day. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. Spellcasting in five E, particularly at low levels, is absurd. But that's that's, that's a different mm-hmm. show. Right, right. All right. So what happens is he walks up to this war and uses dissonant whisper. And once again, in character, he's thinking, surely this guy can take it. Out of character, I'm like, okay, I know there's a chance if he's one hit die, I'm going to kill him. But I'm thinking, eh, John NPC, he's probably second, third level. Nope. And the way that John describes it is, you know, he 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 was a little bit creative with it, his and basically it's come out of his ears like scrambled eggs. Well, he talks about how basically he screams and wails, and like part of his head, like it crushes it, like almost implodes, wow. like crushes in on itself. All right, so we get through the gate. So this culture he loves is literally gone. What's left of it, with the things they could grab on the way out, is standing right there in this field. The hold is bursting with flame and all this terrible stuff. And he just walked up to a man, and he's a very timid, laid-back character. He is not some psycho. And he looks a guy in the face, thinks all he's going to do is give him a headache and spook him. 
and instead just flat murders him. And he's not reacting well to this. I mean, real life, okay, I know most fantasy games don't deal with this, but real life, when you kill somebody, it changes you. Yeah. And this is the first time he he never thought in his life he would take another human being's life. Or and, dwarf. Or dwarf, which, yeah. <laughs> and, and so now here's this guy that he murders by accident in a moment of rushed thinking. And now everything that he loved, the one place that finally accepted him because he was a big failure at home and mm. it, you know, whatever. It's a huge backstory I won't get into, but it's all gone. Now, I know there were technical issues at play, and it was also getting late, so John had to wrap things up. But John kind of left it on this dramatic cliffhanger of the guy dies, the doors open, you guys all go out, out into the bright light, and now we're going to figure out how you muster. And you know, But this is another chapter of the story sort of thing, and he closed the scene right there. But as a player, I'm like... Hold up. <laughs> I need I need some RP time. I need to react to this, right? Mm-hmm. But see, I've seen it go the other way too, though. Of the game master gives you time to react to that dramatic moment and lets it go a little too long and it ends up sucking all of that yeah. dramatic tension out yeah. of it. That now suddenly instead of the Death Star blows up, we have an award ceremony and it's over. Imagine if the Death Star blew up and there's like, well, you have the end of the Lord of the Rings movie, yes. where it's twenty minutes of goodbye. Yeah, and you know, and maybe you're invested in a story in a certain way where that works. But there's also plenty of stories out there that I think most people would agree wildly overstay their welcome. You know, they should have ended thirty minutes before. Mm-hmm. And so, if you let that RP go, there's this this possibility that you take all the drama and all the tension. You know, Chad, you talk about how you love these cliffhanger endings right. to your games, yep. but I think where this was a little different is it wasn't a cliffhanger because the action was at a, it was at a downbeat, right? Mm-hmm. We'd had the, the story beat of the whole cave system and everything and all these people die and everything falls apart. And if you were writing this in a novel form, this would be a great place to end a chapter or to even end a book and to pick up on the next one. But as a role player, I was like, no, because I'm terrified, and I talked to John about this earlier, because I'm terrified that he'll start the game like, okay. Three months later. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, well, I never got a chance as a character to respond yeah. to this. You, Dan, playing your character, it's like, my character's all freaked out. It's like, dude, that was months ago. We, yeah. we hugged it out. It's good. Let's move on. Pack out a yeah. bowl of Otobi and just, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, it, and it's like, yeah, and I, I told John, it's like, John, I said, you got to promise me something. I said, when the next game starts, I said, I understand why you ended the game where you did. Maybe it was dramatic choices as a GM. Maybe it was just a mercy killing because of the technical issues and everything. But I said, you got to pick up the game there. You can't start it asking what we did over the past week or two. And now suddenly we're miles away and in the middle of whatever. I said, you've got to give me some time there to react to that in character. Because, I mean, that's where a lot of the great RP happens. Not just in terms of me playing my character. But how do I give other people something to relate to and something to interact with me on? You know, how is someone like Bran, who's this kind of upstart soldier, you know, he's kind of this young, dumb and full of ale, ale, uh, <laughs> dwarf, you know, how is he, how is the cleric who's, you know, this, mm. and we have also have an NPC with us who's this 
old, old, old dwarf where he's getting increasingly senile, but in dwarven culture, you respect your elders. And so the treatise my character is writing as a human on dwarven culture is it starts off with all dwarven histories are true. <laughs> because that's how you have to understand the dwarves is this guy may place himself at three contradictory places in the same battle fighting for both sides, which, but which is his right. Right. And, and it's, it, that is effectively truth, right? You can't yeah. question this. And so I, I you know, how's he going to respond to me having that moment? And even if we put aside my own character, this was his new home, but this was, most of the other characters, mm-hmm. there are three dwarves, there's one one other non-dwarf, but at least for three of the characters, this was their first and only home. Some of them have never seen the sky before, and it's all gone. Yeah, And to not have an opportunity to react to that, I think, would be to cut the, the characters off the knees. Because if you cannot have a character moment to react to that, then I think the message that you have sent me is this is going to be kind of a high-action-adventure game. We're really not going to get into those issues. Well, where John stopped it was good from a story standpoint, you know, because that bookends it really nice. But, yeah, Dan, I, I think you hit it on the head when if he, start, if he picks it up three months later or nine months later or whatever, then we can't see how our characters would react and develop and interact with each other from all of these big major events, it's we're rebuilding or we're picking up where the story left off. And it's then, which is fine in a way, but you're right. That means it's not really about our characters. It's more about this situation of rebuilding the society. Yeah. You know, even if it starts with just that situation, looking at it, I mean, at that point you'd built up to that moment through the storytelling, you're coming back in a different mood. Mm-hmm. I've never seen come coming back and starting with yes. reaction to what just happened. It's never as good as if it happens right there because you're not in the same mood. Mm-hmm. You're having to get ramped back up again. It's the beginning of a session versus the end. The end usually you're you're hammering on all points. Yeah. The beginning you're stumbling to get well, your and, and that's the secret to a cliffhanger right there. The, uh, the secret to a cliffhanger is not the big bad comes out and attacks you, or everything blows up. It is a huge reveal and everyone's like, <gasps> and then you're like, that's game. See you next week. Well, and I think the thing about a good cliffhanger as opposed to what I'm describing mm. is it typically happens a lot more mid action. Yeah. It's, it's prior to the, the moment that your character would be able to react to it. Your character may be forming an opinion. They might be having an internal reaction but it's prior to the moment your character would be able to have an external reaction. Mm-hmm. Whereas where this ended, you know, it wasn't like you hear a great rumbling, there's fire coming up, and we'll catch you next week. Yeah, It was, no, we, we had come off of that climax. I was actually, the whole time you were telling the story, I was thinking exactly what Wayne had said, that going to the next game, your energy and your momentum aren't there. So what's the advice to a game master that wants to pick that up. Because in my instinct, I would talk to you before the next game session and I would say, okay, Dan, we talked about this last game. I want you to set the scene at the beginning of this game. I I want you to take narrative control. Give you two answers and then Chad, I want to hear yours. But my two answers is as a game master, I think resetting the scene as best as you can. You can't overplay it. You can't dictate this is where everything needs to be. 
but to try and, and remember the major points to say, okay, you know, so the, the cave and maybe do a quick reminder what it means to everyone, you know, it's home to you three, to you, this is where your blood debt sets for my character. This is where the people you really love have always lived. It's gone. You see these refugees around you. They have nothing but the most randomized and ends, and it's maybe a tenth of what was in there before in terms of population. And, Dan, right, because, you just killed this person. Because for your character, it's two very significant things. Your second exile, because you've left your human society, adopted dwarven society, and now your dwarven home is gone. So that's a second exile for you, and you've just committed this grisly murder unintentionally. Right. So there's a lot of energy there for you to work sure. with. Sure. And it wasn't even an unintentional, like, act of self-defense. Not in a fight. It's a, you know, you, like you said, you guys were talking and you're trying to get past and just want to. Yeah. There was urgency, but it wasn't like this person wasn't trying to kill you actively. Precisely. I, and I think it was the sort of thing he didn't know how to process because he's never been in this situation before. And so he didn't know how to process, and he did something really stupid. Oh, I, even better. This is an NPC that you said that you'd already dealt with that's supposed to be on your side. So it's not even like it's a stranger there that you killed. <laughs> You've had conversations with this guy. You, you know, know this name. person. Yeah, I, we you knew his name. Yeah. His wow. name's Alfred. We knew his name. You'll now never forget that name. <laughs> but as a player, all right, because despite the fact that I have advice for Game Masters, I'm not the Game Master of this game. So let's for a moment assume that John doesn't set it back up like this. I think this is where it's going to be incumbent upon me as a player to step up. And my intention, take over the game from John. Well, <laughs> tomato, tomato. That, that is the chat advice. <laughs> in, in fairness, I'm sure John will disconnect. Uh, and yeah. Dan can run it while he's yeah, exactly. I would connect. actually be able to hear what's going yeah. on. Yeah, when, when next time John locks up, I just won't refresh the screen. Yeah. But no, I, <laughs> what I was going to say is I think I have to fake it until I make it. And what I mean specifically is that when the game starts, I'll politely remind John, hey, can we have a moment... Can you reset the scene, give me a little 30-second vamp here of exactly what had just happened? And then even if, because Wayne, you're absolutely right, that game's going to happen at a two-week interval. It's Two weeks are going to pass, yeah. all right? And I am not going to be in the same frame of mind. I'm not going to remember the details of the events. I'm, I mean, I'm already not right now. I'm not in that same momentum. And so I think to some extent, I'm going to have to start thinking through, okay, what's a reaction he can do that is significant and it's obvious, but isn't pointlessly melodramatic or, you know, obviously declare that you will never use magic again. And next time the group gets in combat, be like, sorry, guys, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. yeah but I, I think some of it is, you know, I've got to say, OK, I'm not in that moment, but I'm going to just keep at this until I rediscover that moment, until even if I can't get up to the point of what caused his distress. I can at least get into the mindset of his distress. And so I may have to lead off with some things, even if I don't totally feel them, of, holy crap, I just killed somebody. Bran, how do you live like this? How, you know, <laughs> how shakes the blood and brains yeah. off of his Warhammer? And, eh? you know, and, and <laughs> I and drink a lot. Him suddenly faced with, look, what are all the Dwarven stories about? What are their heroes and legends about? Killing. It's about violence. <laughs> you know, it's all about violence or forging the devices of violence. You know, I was joking about never using magic again, but that would be an interesting arc. 
to have the cla- not char- in a John game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I we we die. <laughs> but to have a character, a bard character, declare, I will not use offensive magic anymore. I will only use. But you're buffs. using your offensive face. <laughs> yeah, I will only use buffs and healing and. Having that arc lead up to a moment where, in self-defense, you have to fight again. Right, or in the defense of a friend. Yes. Yeah. I, I, that would be a really interesting way to take that situation. I don't know. I don't want to define what his arc is going forward because of the fact that I realize there's not as quite as much emotion in this game yet because it's not been running as long as the Skies of Glass game is remote play. It's just a different set of circumstances. But... I want to at least give the other players the opportunity to say, all right, we're going to role play with him and have an impact on how he perceives the world moving forward. But if left to his own devices, if people just kind of like, eh, whatever, get your ass up, let's get going. You know, we've got more loot to collect or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever. Then I have to imagine that's probably going to be how he's going to end up is not maybe that extreme, but he is certainly going to be much more gun shy He's going to second guess a lot of things. He's going to probably, when he sees a situation go south, be the one to come up with a thousand different reasons on why we have to be the ones to back down. And what's on the other side of that guy is not as important as we thought it was. And I don't know, maybe at some point he's going to have a crisis of faith of, you know, this is destroying him to live with this guilt. But this is what Dwarven society is. Chad, you should twist the knife. That was my sister's husband. You killed him. That's the thing of our, of all the dwarf characters. We're all related. Like all all three of the dwarves are cousins to each other. Yeah, and I worked. He was killed a short while before this game. He was killed before the campaign started. But I worked for one of the dads in this in this pile of uncles and cousins yeah. and whatever one of their dads specifically ed's character i and which would also be chad's uncle and uh george's uncle yeah. but i was an i worked on contract for his dad as a consultant on certain magical researches and it's kind of wasn't not a long story but yeah we all know each other like very intimately yeah. Let me ask Alfred that. Oh, I can't. You blew up his head. <laughs> Which admittedly was pretty cool. But <laughs> a dick move. I didn't blow up his head. I blew in his head. <laughs> you imploded uh, his head. You know that dwarf needed those brains. <laughs> <laughs> What's a dwarf need brains for? Uh, you know, I'm playing a fighter. I don't I can't answer that really. <laughs> the other thing I learned from hearing the story is that any campaign that sets out to have everyone be dwarfs can't have everyone be dwarfs. <laughs> yeah. There was some comments about that, not from anyone in the game, but from people outside of the game, that they felt it was kind of a dick move on the part of some of the players to play outside of. But John never set the game that way. He never, we're calling it a dwarf game. The way that John described it was, this is a story about dwarves in a dwarven hold. You can play whatever you want, so long as you are intimately and emotionally tied to the whole. So he never specifically said, he never described this specifically as we're going to play a game where everybody's a dwarf. And suddenly I'm like, well, I'm playing a human. Well, I think John should just run to where every enemy has like a poison attack because dwarves in five E have resistance to poison. Elves and humans don't. Screw you guys. (laughs) Nice. See, I like that your character is a, you know, a fan of dwarven culture and not say an elf that hates all dwarves. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, and we have an elf in our party who is very, very good friends with a dwarf has this blood life debt yeah. sort of thing. And the way that John put it in the episode where we set this campaign up, where we were talking about a little bit, he put it really well. Miranda, who's the, the she's the one playing the elf. Miranda has never done an upper decker on a campaign. <laughs> I've, I, and this is completely true, right? I've played in several campaigns with her, and she's the sort of player where you can give her pretty loose rein, and you don't have to worry about what she's going to do. Mm. If she says, I'm going to play a tree-hugging elf, but she knows you're running a dwarf game about a dwarf hole, and you've asked them to be tied to the blah, 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 She's not going to be the sort of person that's going to go against the grain and play a complete antithesis of the rest yeah. of the party. Oh, she did yeah. great, too, because it, it wasn't just like she was a dwarf or she was one of the crew who was a dwarf. But really, she's an elf because that's what it says on our character sheet. She has this sort of elf culture that she's playing against. And, uh, you know, we were going back and forth and it because my character, Bran, is a fighter and he's kind of drunk a lot and he gets thrown in the brig and stuff and she threw a lot of oh typical dwarf when i made different comments it was great so but getting back to how i would have done it i would have done the ending now i want to say that john did fine i think that his ending from what i read later and dan just described because i didn't <laughs> hear it i understand what he was doing it was a story beat this was not chapter one. This was the prologue that yeah, we played out. It was absolutely and, the prologue. Yep. And you escape, and you're outside. <gasps> Next time, chapter one. And that's and it made a lot of sense. It, it was perfect. It was fine. Dan has a character thing going on. Your problem. But because <laughs> <laughs> but, you're not a dwarf either, so I don't care. <laughs> but, uh, how I would have done it, if this was not a prologue, right, is, and, and again, Hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's very easy to make these these shot calls from the bleachers, and I'm not John, and all that sort of stuff. What I would have done is, if this was not a prologue, and if I wanted to put a real good cliffhanger on it, is you have all the stuff that happens, and the dwarf holds blowing up, and there's all these monsters, and the lava's coming up, and all the fire, and everything's crushing around, and you're like, oh crap, and all the characters are like, no, we can fight, and then, oh no, we can't fight, let's get the hell out of here, and we're running and grabbing stuff, and, and then there's the doors, and then and the doors are slowly shutting, boom, and then you get there, and then there's this line of dwarves talking some bullshit, and then they got this guy who is there for plot reasons and spoilers and stuff, and you're like, they they closed the door. They closed the door. And that's game. I'll see you in two weeks. Admitting, same thing you are. Yeah. This is armchair yes. quarterbacking. Absolutely. And I John did great. And yeah, I John put on a good game. Mm -hmm. And let me stress that I his ending, once again, was between technical issues and mm -hmm. it getting late. It it had yeah. some other some other constraints on it. So I'm not bashing John, but Chad. Sitting here the day after thinking about it, I think you're absolutely right. That's where the game should have ended, mm -hmm. is you guys are about to leave, and then suddenly you realize part of your own side is trying to trap you yeah. between the gate and a wave of lava or whatever's mm -hmm. coming at us. Right. And then you open up the next game with RP. Yeah. I mean, it's not monsters, it's dwarves. It's your fellow dwarves, and you're doing RP because, like you said, Wayne... You know, if it was tension, here's the fight, and it's the big bad, and oh, crap, we've got to get out of here. 
and that's where we're ending it. Well, in next week, you can't pick it up with, oh, I'm still hyped up about it. It's like, well, what happened? Yeah. And, but but you start it with a low key RP. Like, what in the hell are you guys doing? You start it with the sound of the two doors making contact. Well, yeah. followed by or accompanied by the rumbling of hot death right. coming yeah. up from below. Can... I mean, that pretty quickly gets the tension back of, okay, start a game two. You guys are literally trapped between dwarven steel gates and a wave of death. Go. Mm-hmm. So can you, as a player, envision a scenario that would satisfy you and satisfy your desire to role play this impact that basically, can you think of a scenario that you would be okay with where John did not go back to, okay, here's the situation exactly where we left it last game. Let's go. And Dan, you how here's your opportunity to react to what your character just did. So can I think of any scenario other than that one? Yeah. Where that you would be satisfied that it wasn't just, you know, no. murder hobo adventure. Okay. No. I and, I and that's not to say that such a thing couldn't be thought up, but just going off the top of my head, no. Because, I once again, if John moved the plot forward and I never got that moment, I think it would feel very unnatural and very awkward to suddenly bring it up six months later in game time. I think it would be equally ham-fisted to make it some kind of internal PTSD-type thing that he pretends isn't a problem until he comes apart of the scenes mid-action. I, I think that would also feel very ham-fisted. And I, knowing several of the role players in the game, I'm not sure they would know how to respond to it. It's just not the type of role-playing they usually do. I'd hit it with a hammer. The psychological, <laughs> I mean, this kind of that weird psychological torment exploration stuff. That Drink is more. Uh, That's brand solution. Well, <laughs> but I'm saying it's kind of, I don't know if it's idiosyncratic to like people like us, but I will say that I've been in a lot of groups where they don't do it. And so I think I would, that moment would forever be lost. And I would just have to accept that I'm playing an adventurer and maybe he has some uniqueness. Maybe he has some traits. But I have to get away from the psychological and go more towards the behavioral. Gotcha. And I'm curious, too, just tonally, the tone that you're taking with your character, unless I'm mistaken, it doesn't sound like the tone that, Chad, you're taking with your character. So I'm curious is how the party kind of falls tonally in terms of you know, taking that life and exploring Brand's voice. I, have, I don't have it yet. Gotcha. And I'm exploring the tone of the game. Of which I only heard half of. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I hate to keep banging on that. And again, it's not a knock against the game. There was a technology issue. Sure. And I, I kept fighting it and fighting it and doing all this stuff to try and get into it until I got to a point to where it just wasn't happening. And then I, I leaned back. I listened to what I could. I even unmuted the, our Twitch channel so I could hear more of the voices. And then I started chatting with oh. people it's in like the that, Twitch. That first that chat. first time you have ED and you're like, oh, well, you know, that's not <laughs> happening tonight. <laughs> you do your thing, baby. And I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> if I was to try and reduce this to some simple advice for Game Masters, I think it would be this. When you end a game, you have to end it either at a point where everyone's basically done, right? Where they're ready to move scene. There's nothing more anyone's looking to do immediately. They're watching porn on their phones. Well, okay, I'm not going to go to check that out. We locked up the phones, Yeah, It was great, because we're all on cams, 
And John says, I'll give you like 100 XP if you, on cam, put it in a box with a lid and close it and then put the box to the side. Yeah. Nice. Which we did. We did. I, well, I, mean, I put mine in a desk drawer, but same yeah, effect. Same effect, yeah. But anyway, so... And now I want to do creative things to put my phone in each game, something different and weird. Like a... Never mind. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. tracking. I, okay. <laughs> That's all I did. All right. Your phone. You've got other tabs on the browser. <laughs> so I think that'd be the first one is you can find a place in the game where people all have kind of agreed that we're at, we're done. We're, we don't have anything more to do until something else happens. The other option would be if you are not near one of those points, if you're not about to reach one of those points, at least make sure the characters are a little bit more mid-action, where there's an obvious place to pick up again next game that picks up on a point of high energy, which, once again, this is a distinction I would make between what happened last night and a cliffhanger, is this was not a point of high energy. This was a point of release. This was a point of low energy where people have time to process. And I think I would have ended... Which is either after that or prior to that. Which is great for what John was going for. Yes. Epilogue, and it high tension, and it comes down, and then there's a release, and the next time we pick up, we start from base, and he starts picking up the tension and the the quandaries and the frictions that people have. So I had another thought about a place to end the game. I wouldn't have thought about it in the moment to do it, but how would you have felt if you made your role, and that's where he ended it, of you didn't know what the effect was until... The next game, the next game starts off with you're looking at him and then he starts to scream and his head starts to I close in. Okay, see, I now if you, if you just said something like, I declare I use the spell and he ends there, I think it would have been almost... Like, why did you... Why did, well, we, why we, well, why did, why did you, you have me declare an action? Yeah. But if you left it one moment later, if you said, okay, Dan, you do this and you destroy his mind and he drops dead boom into there i think that would have still been a workable place because once it hasn't changed that there's still this crush of dwarves and a wave of babies and whatever else coming up behind us and so the tension still would have been there it's not a point to process it's, it's still a point of go 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 and so it would have given me time to kind of stew on the fact that i killed this guy and that's where you pick the next game up is okay dan just killed alfred go I mean, wow. No, I hated that guy. He <laughs> owed me five florins. Alfred was my sister's husband. And she's a bitch, and she owed me five florins. <laughs> Everybody owes me five florins. Yeah, game ending is actually something that I've always found challenging because, especially like in my last game session, it was very sandboxy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it did not, it ended on a low energy moment. And so I certainly, I think that's good advice is try to look for something higher energy to end the game on because it was a very good game session. However, that ending point of the game left me wanting it yeah, just i don't didn't... know how i would end games in your situation where you play once a month because i mean that i would have to rethink everything about how i run a game it, it's it's extremely challenging to plot and to work out because I, I basically i have the ideas of what's going to occur sort of the course map if you will but you never know how they're going to divert and the way the game ended sunday night it just kind of ended and it didn't it wasn't satisfactory to me because mm-hmm. yeah, i definitely if i'm running a weekly game and we have to be off for three weeks or a month i come back with a curveball of some sort i can't jump right back where it left off it just 
I've lost that momentum. I need something different to jump back onto. Well, so like a monthly one for me, it would feel like I never have that momentum. Right. Well, and I think, too, I think that probably one of my great weaknesses as a game master is planning for the end. I mean, we've talked about the current D&D game and how I don't have a campaign end in mind yet. But also, oftentimes in game sessions, I don't have a good, strong story beat to end on. Oh, yeah. My cliffhangers come in the middle of the session. Something will happen. and It'll trigger. OK, now I know how I'm going to cliffhanger this. There have been rare occasions where I knew exactly what my cliffhanger was when I sat down. And usually those, we never got to that set part. The, the party did something drastically different, never get to that moment. So usually my cliffhangers are thought up either halfway to you know 75% through the game. I come up with, okay, here's how I'm going to make Dawn want to leap across the table and strangle me. <laughs> yeah, see, that's I, usually his metric. I have a very, it's like sort of like lovemaking. I have a very strong out of the gate. <laughs> right. And so in, in the beginning of this game session, I had, I mean, for 15 minutes, I had the players just listening to me orate and describe the city that they're approaching. And then I'm like, OK, there's your playground. Go play. And we did. And by the end of it, they're like, OK, we spent a day at the playground. Now what? So like, that's sort of where it ended. Is like, it was the now what? Like you brought our mind is like lovemaking in that there's a lot of foreplay getting up to that moment. And then at the end, they're like. That's it? I want more. <laughs> and you're like, I'm done. I don't know what your problem is. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you should do some solo role. Anybody want to lick the box? <laughs> All righty. Well, I think we're going to end this one on a highbrow note like that. So, once again, check the show notes for the Skies of Glass AP and definitely the Twitch channel. And I might have the YouTube channel there as well, depending on whether I ever get that exported over. So. Outside of that, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2017. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.